1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. And we believe it. You may be seated. My history with vehicles is awful telling. My early history, very much so. I remember a Pinto, a certain Pinto wagon, as a matter of fact, that my dad let me drive, and the fuel lead into the engine fell off while I was driving one day on Illinois Route 4. Talk about a harrowing experience. Well, I figured out what was wrong, pushed it back in, and went on my way. And uh, that, but that, I didn't know that that was going to be a history for me of my dad buying old, old cars to run around in. He gave me a Volkswagen Rabbit. Uh, pea green. Some people said puke green color. <laughs> Volkswagen Rabbit with many miles on it as my first car, which I took to college. And uh, one summer, I decided to sell it and get something different because my sister had a Volkswagen Rabbit for sale. And uh, it was newer, in better shape. And so I thought, yeah, I'll sell this one while I'm working in Omaha, living at my sister's house. And, and I decided to clean it up. So I pulled the carpet up in the front, and I noticed underneath the carpet, the floor had rusted out, and someone put a metal oil trash can lid there. And it could come up. And I pulled it up, and I could see the road. But each car that I had, that green one and then my sister's next one, about every thousand miles it needed some sort of work on it. I thought that was normal. I thought every car was like that because every car I had was a Volkswagen Rabbit for about six years. But I liked them and I didn't know that my experience wasn't the same as other people whose cars actually ran a little longer. I had the one in the shop for a couple of months and I didn't have anything to drive and the car even frustrated the mechanic before he finally got it fixed. And later that car rusted out and I was driving when I was in Ohio, uh, going back home, I was living in Dayton, and the back end split off. I was glad I had another Volkswagen Rabbit sitting at home to drive and I would save that one for the parts and leave it stuck in the parking lot for six months before they towed it off. Now, my last three vehicles have had over 200,000 miles on them. It's a little different story. Maybe because I learned something about car care from having to fix all them all the time. But car care problems and car problems, they don't just happen. You know, it's not like all of a sudden this thing's broken. Usually they give a warning sign. Do you know what I mean? So, like, imagine you're in your car, right, or your vehicle truck, which works perfectly, or so you think, and it starts making a noise. You know, it could be whining. It's, sometimes my wife has to tell me mine's making the noise because I can't hear it high pitches. She says, that's squeaking. I said, no, it's not. It's fine. And a bell will be falling off or something. It could be a whirring sound, a grinding, a, a clunking. I've had a few that made rattles. 
Learned what you joints were from those. And there's two kinds of people. The first kind of people, they hear the noise. They listen intently to make sure it's coming from their car. And when they get home, they pop the hood, try to figure out what's going on, investigate. Or they call a mechanic and set up an appointment to get it fixed. This noise, whatever it is. This is me. And I usually try to fix it myself or break fix it. In other words, if I can't fix it, I'm going to break it in the process. <laughs> then there's the second kind of people. When they hear the noise, it's annoying. They don't like it. They listen intently to make sure it's their car. Then they roll up the windows, turn up the stereo, and keep going. They want to block out the sound because it's annoying them. And when you ignore the warning signs, if you're the second kind of person, you know what happens, don't you? If you let that car warning sign go on long enough, you're going to have some serious car problems. But we don't just do this with our cars. I think the way we look at our cars and other things that break in our lives or give warning signs is the same way we approach other things in life. Maybe you notice your shoulder hurts when you go like this. Ow. And uh, instead of making an appointment with a doctor or a chiropractor because you're afraid what they might have to say, rather you rearrange your life so you don't have to go like this anymore and uh, change the way you move rather than going to the doctor. Some of us are like that. Did you know that? We ignore the warning signs of our body. Or maybe it rains and the next morning you notice a brown spot up in your ceiling somewhere and you go, well, it's just a one-time thing. It's not going to happen again. You convince yourself of that. Don't call a contractor. Don't look at the source. You just do nothing. That's a warning sign too. And you know what? We do this in our relationships as well. For example, your husband may have been losing his temper more regularly. And you say, ah, he's just being immature. You pass it off. Your wife's been giving you the cold shoulder more and more. And you think she just needs to get over it. And the worst sign is when the other person has decided to stop fighting. And you think, well, they finally come around to my way of thinking. They're not fighting anymore. The truth is they've completely given up. They don't know what to do. These are little signs, just like the warning signs that the car makes or our body. And if you pay attention and act, this will help you keep your marriage out of the proverbial junkyard. The person you're sitting next to, or the person you may have come to church with, or the person you're married to, or the person you'd like to be married to one day, or a future spouse is going to be a fixer-upper. Probably don't like to hear that, but is a fixer-upper. There are no new models in a room. Some of us going, yeah, I know. <laughs> Think of dating like an ad for a used car. On Facebook market, maybe a TV commercial, they got these used cars for sale. The person sells their car, gets it washed, waxed, vacuumed, they take pictures from the most flattering angles. They may own up to having a couple dents, a couple other scratches, but the fact that it's low mileage more than makes up for that. Because there's going to be some dents in a used model, and the discerning buyer should understand at some level you're looking at a used model. 
because it's not brand new off the factory line. If there might be some rips in the upholstery, crack in the windshield. You never know something worse. Maybe the car looks perfect on the outside. <laughs> Talking to the guys here, mostly. Um, but the problems are in a place where you can't see. We bought a car for Katya. Had serious hidden damage from a wreck. The dealer said, no, no problems with this car. It's a peach. My wife drives it. Those problems showed up later and a lot of money later to fix it just so it could run. But those problems are going to surface that are hidden. And because you're in a relationship with a fixer-upper, an imperfect person who has been influenced by this world. And you're a fixer-upper too, believe it or not. Yeah, you don't want to hear that one. But we're all fixer-uppers. And today we're going to talk about the five habits that can mess up a marriage or, or of every broken marriage and what we can do about them. It's a marriage that's about to be broken, may have these in great proportion, especially all five of them. Some of them may not exist for your relationship, and that's good. But guys, don't miss next week. I'm going to give you eight ways you can fix your marriage. Guys, it's taken me the better part of 17 years in relationship with Christine to learn if I focus on loving and serving my wife. She's more likely to want to love and serve me too. But guys, we got to go first on this one, so we're up next week. Well, ladies, you're not off the hook. Two Sundays from now is all about you. What's going on with you? I'm going to give you seven ways you can save your marriage. And in three weeks, we're going to have the counselors here. And they're going to come and answer your questions. I mentioned this, but about marriage, relationships, and sex. And no question is off limits. I'm giving people a fair warning on that, okay? It's your benefit to make sure you and everyone you love can make as many of these as possible. Or at least get them online later. <laughs> For this month of March. Be a great way to get into the Easter season, I think. Now, there are five habits of every broken marriage, and here they are, and what you can do about them. Let's look, first of all, at the text again. It says, Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. This is one of the most famous from one of the most famous passages in the Bible, the love chapter. It's been shared at weddings. Even uh, uh, people who want to learn how to love use this chapter. We're going to look at this section that's in our handout, top of the handout. We're going to look at it, how it applies relationally. In this passage, which is there, are the five habits and what you can do about it. The first habit of every broken marriage, and this is number one on your handout, is hurry. Hurry. Have you noticed that the pace of life is fast these days and only getting faster? Technology that's supposed to save time for us. Gary's probably not going to save time with technology, but you never know, right? But it's supposed to save time for us, only made it easier to overcommit. You pull out your phone or your calendar, you look and see an empty space, and you go, hey, I, I can do that. And you fill it. Or maybe you had a long day and you want to unwind, so you pull out the remote, 
get comfortable, turn on the TV, but you got your phone or your tablet or your laptop or something going with it. So you got two screens going. I've, I've seen some people, they got the TV on, the stereo on, they've got their laptop going, they got their iPad over here and their phone here and their pen trying to pay attention to all of it. I, I'm just amazed. I said, how do you do that? They said, well, I, it's easier for me to focus this way. <laughs> I've heard that. And I don't understand that. And you know, it's kind of funny because you're unwinding. That's what we say. I'm unwinding from my tough day with all this distraction. It's no wonder we feel disconnected from each other because we're too busy trying to unwind or disconnect from life. But we're always going 100 miles an hour everywhere. You know, trying to fit something in. You try to fit in a phone call while between things, you know, maybe while you're driving, you used to not be able to do that. And you go, man, this is a great thing. I can make the call while I'm driving. Or, you know, oh, I can answer the text while I'm... Do not do that. Do not answer the text while you're driving. Do not text and drive. And try to ignore your phone. How many people do you see driving down the road like this or like this with their phone? That scares me. I see it real well because I'm like eight feet up in a bus. I can see down what people are doing. I'm going, oh gosh, get away from me. And then the next one's doing the same thing. But we're always going, trying to get things done. Maybe you try to fit in a conversation with somebody, trying to make time for each other and you do it in a hurry. Try to fit it in. Try to fit in fun. You try to fit in intimacy, intimacy into your life, into your relationship. All those things are so oddly shaped, they don't just fit in a slot. Relationships don't fit. Like, okay, we have one hour for our relationship right now. Let's do some relationship stuff. It just doesn't fit like that. Your life together is ongoing. It's hard to fit something like that to an overcommitted and hurried life. Wouldn't you agree? Today's text, love is patient and kind. In other words, you can't love in a hurry. You can't be kind in a hurry. And regardless of what you're doing and how busy and important you might think you are, if you're not patient, it's not love. There's a little scale under each of these five habits, and I want you to circle the number that you think best represents where you are on the scale. Are you more on the hurried side or are you more on the patient side? Just circle it. And then one more thing. If you're in a relationship or if you're married, ask the other person where they'd put you on this scale and put a box there. It's a simple exercise, but it can be eye-opening. It'll give you both an idea of how the other person sees your relationship and uh, something you can talk about later. And if hurry is the habit that breaks your marriage, if it's the warning noise that you're hearing, here's one thing that you can do this week. In that, where it says in the box, there's one of two things. Depending on your schedule, depending on how things are, either cancel something or plan something for together. Some specific, specific set-aside time. A chunk. Not, yeah, we're going to have breakfast once in the next month. Not like that. I'm talking about something where you can connect over an extended period, plan something. So you have something to look forward to in your relationship. My wife and I try to plan vacations out months in advance because we're so busy that we have something to look forward to that's going to slow us down together. 
So cancel something or plan something. If you don't want your marriage to wind up on the side of the road, it's good to get rid of your hurry. Maybe you could even make it a rule in your family that nobody sits in the living room and watches TV for dinner but sits at the table. That would be a good one. Slow down. Enjoy each other. If you have opposing schedules, this is what my wife have, or time together seems impossible to come because you can't cancel work, the two options there are to change jobs or plan something for a connect time. If you don't want those warning sounds to get louder, either cancel something or plan something for a future time because you can't love in a hurry. Second habit, insecurity. The text says love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. All four of those qualities are based in insecurity. Insecurity will make you want what you don't have. Or try and convince others that you're better than you are. Or maybe you think that you're better than you are. Or maybe it'll make you be aggressive and abrasive toward others for no reason at all. Insecurity does that. When you're coming across as insecure, you'll either push people away from you, who you love, or you're going to attract people who are going to use your insecurities against you. So circle the number there, the thing you think fits you the best, and have another who knows you, especially if you're married, your spouse, to box the one they think fits you the best. Insecure or secure. If this is something you struggle with, there's something you can do this week. Don't refer to yourself in the conversation. That's what goes in the box. Yourself in the conversation. This might sound weird at first. You may take some practice. But think of it like this. Most people who are insecure talk about themselves the most. My dad was insecure and he'd say, I'm probably not very smart. You don't think I'm smart. Waiting for people to compliment him because he was a very intelligent person. But he'd always say the opposite of what he wanted to hear. Maybe begin a new habit to not bring up ways you're the hero in the stories you tell. Maybe uh, you want people to like you, so you're going to say something like, well, this one time I took 150 high school students to Mexico. We built 12 homes for homeless families. Now you got to like me. Because I'm so good and I'm insecure if you don't. That seems like an okay story, but it makes me look better than I feel like I am. And that is intentional. This week, try not to refer to yourself in conversation. The third habit of broken marriage is scorekeeping. Here's how you know you're a scorekeeper. And folks, I know lots of marriages that do this. That you have a fundamental belief that everything in your marriage should be fair. And here's how you know you're one of those people. You're arguing with me in your head right now. No, I don't. I don't think that. But you start out in sentences like, You're always. You never. You're scorekeeper if you do most of the work in your home and you say, Nobody ever helps me around here. 
You keep track of who gets out more often, who watches the kids more often, who initiates sex more often. You're the one who brokers deals like this. I'll do this if you'll do that. You have this constant sense you're getting the short end of the stick. That's why you do that. While the other person's living the good life, things you want to be doing, and they've got all the fun. Again, that's not love, that's scorekeeping. The best thing you can do for yourself, your marriage, and your family is to eradicate the word fair from your vocabulary. Love and fairness are not compatible. Our text says love is not irritable and it keeps no record of wrongs. That's the verse of the week that I put on the front of the bulletin for this very reason. I'm not talking about letting someone intentionally take advantage of you or walk all over you. That's not love. I'm talking throwing out the scorecard and injecting your marriage with forgiveness and always having the score at zero to zero. Like tennis, it's love, love. Since God's already paid an infinitely higher price for our forgiveness for the sins we've done, how could another person's sin or what they do compare to the forgiveness we've received that we can't offer it to them and keep it even and not fair or unfair? So if you rate yourself on this scale, are you more on the let it go side or keeping score side? Circle yours and let someone box what they say is true about you. One thing you can do this week. Oh, this is going to get under some people's skin. I'm already afraid to say it. Let the other person be right. Yeah, I said that. <laughs> Scorekeepers have to be right all the time. Choose to let the other person be right, even if you're not or they're not as right as you are. And keep your mouth shut about it. Now, I don't mean harbor and fester it. I mean, don't say that they're wrong inside and be angry about it. Let it go. Because you can either be right or you can be reconciled. If you choose to focus on being reconciled, you can still be right. If you focus on being right, you may never reconcile. Fourth habit of broken marriage is secret keeping. Folks, this is meddling, but I'm, I'm going to meddle good on this one. I don't like it, but I like it at the same time because it's true. It's where we're going to start to drill down some of the darker issues that happen in, in marriage. When you intentionally keep truth from your spouse. Intentionally. Maybe you've gone shopping, used a credit card, and made a mad dash for the mailbox and your spouse doesn't see the bill or what you bought. Maybe an ex from high school reconnected on social media and all the catching up and reminiscing you're longing for those good old days. Maybe you're drinking more, not just at nighttime with your dinner, not just when you're out or socially, you've added drinking during the day. You've gone to great lengths to get rid of the evidence. You're not being truthful. Love does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. That's the scripture. When the truth wins, your marriage wins. Because truth leads to trust. How would you rate yourself on this one? Are you being shady? Are you being an open book? Circle and have someone box that for you. One thing you can do this week, 
Make sure your spouse has all your passwords. What? I'm not going to do that. My wife and I came up with this plan where we can put all of them in the same place. If something happens to one of us, we can access that stuff. So there's no secrets. What we want is to make sure that they have 100% anytime access to our home, to our phone, to our email. That leads to trust to an open book. doesn't mean they need it to spy or anything like that, but that there's trust there, that they can trust you and you can trust them. It's a conversation that may be a little difficult to have. Last habit today is number five, is conditional. What we want is unconditional love. What you were made for, designed by God for, is unconditional love. Love without conditions attached. No expectations. That means if I get into an accident and I lose the use of my legs, my wife will still love me. If I mess us up financially and we go bankrupt, my wife will still love me. If my wife adopts a baby behind my back and says, oh, look who followed me home today. I still got to love her. Because we made a mutual agreement that our love for each other is based on how God loves us. Not on what the other person does or what they did or do for us. God loves us without condition attached. Scripture that we've read today says love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Never gives up, never loses faith, never gives up hope. Love endures. It chooses to endure through every circumstances. Every single one. How do you know you're in a conditional relationship? You've already begun formulating your exit strategy. You're just waiting for the other person to mess up bad enough. (laughs) Fail one more time and you're gone. Even probably said it. Give you one more chance. The person you're in a relationship with is a fixer-upper. So are you. And even if they don't look perfect on the outside... There are problems in places that you can't see that create what they do, just like for you. These problems don't, they will surface every now and then. And they remind you that they're still there and they need healing and grace and mercy and unconditional love. They need that. It's your job to love them through it because real love never gives up. Real love endures every circumstance. So rate yourself. Are you conditional? Are you unconditional? Here's every one thing that every married person should do this week. I'm going to ask you to do this. The prayer that I wrote includes this in it. Remind your spouse you're all in no matter what. That's what goes in those empty blanks there. I'm all in no matter what. I'm in. I can be counted on to be there for you. I choose to love you unconditionally. You can cut 50% of the tension out of your relationship right now just by letting the other person know, I'm in. I'm all in. Even if I said I was out before, I'm all in now. And I recommit and reestablish that with you today.
These are the five things that can mess up a marriage. And they're all five present. You know what to do about them. And this morning, as we get ready for communion, as I said earlier, the guy's got to go first. Is I'm going to ask the men in the relationship, if they're here, to pray the prayer over their family with the prayer cloth that's, that I've written for you, or one similar to it, if you're willing to be all in. Because that's what the prayer says, I'm all in. But also, to receive the communion cups and to take them to your family. Uh, we'll be doing communion up here. Then pick out a prayer cloth or prayer what we call those prayer blankets, and we'll have those available as well. So we're, my wife and I are going to go first after we establish the communion and show you how we'll do this, and then we'll serve you that way today and let this be an example for you. But before we do, let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for your work to us this morning. Sometimes it's a little rattling, disturbing, but it's also the truth. That we need each other, we need you and your spirit in us. Because we can't do this without you. It's too hard to love the way you love us. But Lord, I know today, if these five things can be done and repaired and healed, and our lives can start moving forward together, our relationships will grow. They will strengthen. And thank you for establishing your presence with us. Amen.